This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. If you have a Bible, go to the book of Acts, chapter 4, go to verse number 32. Acts chapter 4, verse number 32. Have you had a good day today? Let me see your hand if you've had coffee today. I just want to know who the people that really love Jesus in this church are. Two cups. Let me see your hand if you had two cups. Very spirit-filled people right here. My people. It's been a fantastic day here at Zoe. And uh, hey, can I just shout out my wife real fast? This is my beautiful wife right here in the front row. And... She missed the morning services because Pastor Julia, I love it when I call her that, she was over in the valley preaching at a church, three services this morning. Come on, make some noise for the beautiful, wonderful, radiant Pastor Julia. And uh, when the invitation came for her to preach, she was like, I don't want to preach. Like, babe, I don't want to preach. And I was like, well, babe, that, that church in the valley is bringing a group to conference, so you finna go preach, okay? So we need you to double the registrations, you know what I'm saying? So, so that was marketing and preaching together. Hey, speaking of, we announced it today. It is just such a delight. It's the biggest deal to me. One of my best friends in the whole world, my pastor, amazing person is coming to preach the last guest let me just say it to you right now is pastor judah smith is coming to zoe conference come on make some noise if you're excited he is the greatest he's the best and a lot of you know our story for my wife and i we were this church exists because of pastor judah and chelsea smith they launched us sent us and um quite frankly, I've given more to our community than any other church and any other pastors. And that is spiritually, but even financially, I've given more money to you and to our church. The last time he was at Zoe was our inaugural night when we launched almost two years ago. He set us in, came in and prayed a blessing over our start. And he really hasn't gotten to see you since we started. So I am excited that he's coming to preach Sunday at Zoe conference. Anybody excited? Come on, that the man himself going to be fantastic. And I want to make sure, have you registered for conference? Because if you haven't registered for conference, this Sunday is we're all going to conference Sunday. Look at somebody next to you and tell them real fast, we're all going to conference. Come on, tell somebody. We're all, everybody, everybody's going to conference. Everybody's going. And so John Gray and Rich Jr. and Robert Madu and the whole crew is coming and you're coming. Amen. Make sure you get signed up and registered. And hey, I just, you know, again, there's churches that are coming from all over the place. We got people flying in all over the country. I got a text from some pastors today from Denver, Colorado, that are flying in for Zoe Conference. But above everybody else, Zoe Conference is for Zoe Church. And so make sure that you are there and in the house and the loudest and the proudest. Amen? Awesome. Hey, I'm going to preach in just a minute, but I want to acknowledge it's a big deal to us. This was the conclusion of season two connect groups. And uh, come on, make some noise for all the connect groups and all the connect group leaders. It's the greatest thing we got going at our church. 
And when I say hundreds, I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of people uh, meet every other week around coffee shops and houses and food, and they talk about Jesus and talk about their faith and their life. And I just want to say, as Zoe, the best thing we have is the people of this church. And I want to say thank you to every Connect Group leader, every person that was a part. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together for every person that was a part. Don't give them a little like, come on, make some noise. Make sure you're a part of the next season. It launches in September. I got to tell you this quick story. Jasmine, I don't, I don't know if Jasmine's in the back, but Jasmine's Connect Group, one of the best Connect Groups in our church. Friday night, they were all hanging out, and they went to a tattoo shop, and six of the people in her Connect Group got a G-Tat. Holly, you got a G-Tat right here? She got a G-Tat. So a lot of our uh, worship leaders, in fact, before you can lead worship, we make you get a G-Tat at our church. It's kind of a cult, but it was working out great. But um, someone's like, is he serious? But I just, it's unbelievable the community that we're building. I want to say thank you for being the greatest church ever. You excited for the word tonight? You have a Bible? Acts chapter 4, go to verse number 32, and I'm going to jump in for the sake of time. I can't wait to preach this message. If you're new, tonight we are in the middle of a series called The Face of Grace. And uh, we've been talking for the last few weeks about grace. We believe at our church that grace is not so much a principle as much as grace is a person. We believe that grace has a name and his name is Jesus. Uh, Grace has a face and that face is the face of our Lord and Savior. We believe he's Jesus Christ. I want to continue to talk about grace because I believe that the goal of every one of us tonight should be to live a grace-filled life. We don't just want to build a grace-filled church. We want to live lives that are filled with grace, which means our lives are filled with Jesus. And uh, I'm excited to preach tonight this installment, Acts chapter 4. I got somebody that came up to me earlier today, and they said, this grace series is changing my life. If you have missed the other installments, make sure you get on the app, listen to the podcast, and keep hearing. I think we need to hear more about grace. Somebody say amen. So I'm going to read some scriptures in just a moment. I'm going to tell you exactly what has happened before our reading, just so we can all work from the same premise, just so when we get to the reading, we are all working from the same place. Now, we believe at our church, we believe that Jesus Christ, he was sent from the Father. He was born of a virgin. Her name was Mary. We believe that Jesus Christ lived on this earth for 33 years, and after 33 years, nobody stole his life. He gave his life. That's why we just did communion, and we believe he went down to the earth, but come on, death couldn't defeat him and the grave couldn't hold him down. Come on, anybody believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? So Jesus got up out the grave. The Bible says he spends 40 days with his disciples before he goes back to heaven. Now, when he leaves to go back to heaven, he tells his guys, guys, don't you leave this city until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this. He said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that power in the Greek is the word dunamai. It's supernatural strength. By the way, what is available to us as believers is not just natural human strength. It's supernatural God's strength. He said, listen, you need to stay here in this city until the promise comes. So these guys are waiting around. They're in the motel, hotel, holiday inn. They're about the ninth floor. They're chilling out. They got two busted acoustic guitars. They sing an ocean at the top of their lungs. Spirit lead me when my trust is without borders. I mean, they are crushing it. 
feel me? Can't wait for worship night. Let me lead. And so, and so, G that. And so, and, 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 and so they're in the, in, in the hotel motel. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the Holy Spirit falls on them. This is the first time that the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on them. Now, Jesus had said this because he knew these guys could not start building the church until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this to you. You cannot build your life and build your future until you receive all the God that is available to you, until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes, and I'm telling you, that's Acts chapter 2. All of a sudden, stuff just starts to break out. First time the guy Peter preaches a message, 3,000 people get saved. All of a sudden, people are getting healed. Stuff's going on. It's going crazy. In fact, by the time we get to our reading today in Acts chapter 4, 5,000 people are now in the church. This thing is breaking out like wildfire. It's gangbusters. They can't control it. Now, the other religious leaders are so upset because people are leaving their synagogues, their religions. They are abandoning ship, and they're becoming Christians. Now, this is destroying the business of these other religions. So these guys come to Peter and John, kind of the leaders, and they're like, guys, you have to stop preaching about grace. You cannot continue to talk about Jesus. This is, this is ruining us. So they go to Peter and John, and the Bible says that when they talk to them, they perceive that they are uneducated and untrained men. I just want to tell you, if you ever want to insult somebody, tell them they look mad uneducated and they look untrained. Like that is a diss. So they say, you look uneducated, untrained, but we could tell you've been with Jesus. So they forbid them. They say, you can no longer talk about Jesus. I love Peter and John. Peter and John listen to the religious leaders. They kind of pause for a second. They said, sir, um, I think it's Peter that's talking. Sir, um, we, uh, uh, we understand that you are a position of authority. However, for for me and John, we cannot be quiet about the things we have seen and heard. The things that we have witnessed, come on guys, these guys have w- literally witnessed Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him heal blind people and deaf people and mute people. They've seen him raise the dead after three days. They've seen him turn all kinds of fishes and loaves of bread into feeding 5,000. They have seen too much to be quiet. I want to tell you tonight, when you've encountered Jesus, you cannot be quiet about Jesus. When you've encountered grace, there's no way you can hold back. Come on, am I preaching to anybody tonight that you've seen some stuff? and you've heard some stuff, and God whispered, and God showed up. You cannot be quiet about what we've seen and heard. They come out of this this synagogue meeting. They're like, man, that was crazy. They go back to the church. They come back to church. They tell the guys what happened. All of a sudden, they preach with such boldness that the Bible says everybody there gets filled with the Spirit, and the building starts to shake. Like the whole building, I'm telling you tonight at the 8 p.m. service, this building's about to shake tonight. Something's about to go. It goes down in the p.m. I'm telling you tonight. So, so this whole thing happens. It's shaking. It's rocking. Now let's read in context our reading for this evening. It says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands 
or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. I want to preach a message tonight. You can write down the title. It's called A Level of Grace Called Great. A Level of Grace Called Great. Now, our theology, again, what we believe about Jesus at this church is we believe that grace has saved all of us. There's no way we could get to heaven without Jesus. There's no way we can have the promise of everlasting life without Jesus. In fact, let me just put up a statement about what we believe. We believe this at our church. Go ahead and put up that quote. It says, we're saved by grace, but the level of grace we walk in is a decision. I want to talk to you tonight about the level of grace you walk in. We're all saved by grace. Grace saves all of us. But I just want to encourage you tonight. There is a level of grace for you to walk in. And I'm believing that by the time we close this service, you're going to walk out of these doors saying, you know what, Jesus? I want to go to another level of grace. I don't want to stay at this grace. I want to go to another. There is great grace available for your life. Come on, somebody put your hands together and thank God that we all together by his grace, we're going to a level called great in grace. Let's pray together and let's believe. Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are real. We thank you that you are for us. We thank you that in these moments as we gather around your word, that you would open up our eyes so we can see your son, open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit, do something unique and profound. We love you, we live for you, and we need you. And God, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're believing that that church that Julia preached at this morning, they will double in registrations in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. I, 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 I love it when you, when you can see someone go to another level. And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about these guys. And you can see the way that they were living. They just keep going to another level because of the way they were living. Their lifestyle brought them. It said that they were, they were working out of great power and they possessed great grace. Let me just show you the difference between the word power here and the word grace here. Go and put up the word power. And this is what I'm believing for your life. Watch this word power. It said that they, were, they had possession of controlling influence, manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural way. They were manifesting, these guys, what's happening, they were manifesting influence in reality, but in a supernatural way. I'm believing for your life and your family and this church, we're going to have and operate more power. Come on, if you agree that, somebody say amen. Come on, we, listen, you have not been created to be common. You have not been created to be ordinary. You have not been called just to fit in. You have been called to stand out. You've been called to walk in the power, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit... I want to preach to somebody right now that needs some more power. I want to preach to somebody that believes you're powerful. I want to preach to somebody that says you're going to literally manifest influence in the reality in a supernatural way. This is not your own strength. It's a God strength. Somebody put your hands together. I'm already sweating and preaching tonight. Come on, I'm believing you're going to walk in power. Come on, anybody want some power? Oh, it's like the TV show Power. Come on. No one man should have all that power. You should have some power in your life. It said these guys was operating in some real life power and they had on them great grace. Oh, I just love this because it didn't just say grace. It said great grace. Let's go to the Greek word for the word great. Watch this word here in great. It has this connotation. It's the word in the Greek megas. Remarkable, 
out of the ordinary in degree, the magnitude or the effect. It's surprising. Great has meaning of full grown spacious. Woo! They're operating in power and they've got gracious, full grown, shocking. You ever see someone's grace on their life and you just continually get shocked by what they're able to do because you know how ordinary they are. You know how just plain they are, but there's a great grace that it shocks you. It's spacious. It's grown. It's effective. I'm believing for your life. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm believing you're going to operate in power and you're going to receive great grace. Somebody say amen. Now I look at this story and the first thing I think is, listen, they are we're all saved by grace. But they are, they are doing something. This is a decision they've made to receive the power and the great grace. This is, this is not just belief. This is now lifestyle. I, just, I believe this about grace. Grace changes the way we live. Grace changes the way we treat people. Grace changes the way we see ourselves. These guys are living at a level of grace. Well, Acts chapter 4 showed us the whole pattern of how they got to this great grace. The first thing it says is they were of one heart, one soul, one spirit. And you write down point number one tonight. Great grace always comes through unity. Great grace always, listen, God never works with division. God never works with discord. We live in a society, we live in a country that is divided. We are divided on politics. We are divided on all these subjects. We, are, we have homes that are filled with divorce and all kinds of different agendas. And when there is no unity, God can't work. God works best through unity. He is putting great grace on here because they're of one heart and one soul and one spirit. Listen, you may have a different background than me. You might be, have, have a different socioeconomic background than me. But when you and I get together, I don't care who you voted for. We've got one thing in common. And what divides, what brings us together, it is the man, it is the person, it is the name above all names. Come on, anybody believe tonight in Jesus Christ? It, his name is Son of the Living God. He is what, he is what unifies us together. God always works through unity. Whenever he sees unity, he's like, whoo, I can work through that. When he sees division and discord and angst and all kinds of uh, offense and broken relationships. And listen, unity is not up to them. Unity is up to us. If you want great relationships, that's not somebody else's fault. That's our responsibility. Unity is a us thing. It's a me thing. It's my responsibility. These are my relationships. To the best of my ability, I want to be of one heart, one soul, one spirit. And there could be all kinds of discord out there. But when it comes to church, you and I are unified because of our faith in Jesus. You and I might root for different teams, wear different clothes, and listen to different music. But one thing brings us together. We are unified under the blood and the canopy of the name of Jesus. I just love this about unity. God always works through unity. God always, listen, I love my friend, Pastor Rich Jr. that's coming to preach. I heard Pastor Rich say a couple weeks in Miami, he said, the devil is not afraid of a big church. The devil is afraid of a unified church. Ooh, a church that just said, you know what? I'm going to put away my agenda. I'm going to put away what I want. I'm not going to live for myself. It's not about the, the name on the, on the back of the jersey. It's the name of the front of the jersey. I'm living for the bigger team. I'm living for the bigger cause. I'm living for his name and his glory and who he is. Now, when you make the decision to be not someone that breaks bridges and burns bridges, but builds bridges... 
and you unify people, God will begin to use you. Great grace is always on unity. Watch what the Bible teaches us here in Psalm 133 and watch how it declares that God will bless unity. It says here in the scripture, read. It says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? In unity. What? There it is. Just, it's going to say some bizarre stuff, but track with me for a moment. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Keep going, please. It is as if the dew of Hermon, weird, it is we're falling on Mount Zion, sounds fine, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. God, he's this, he commands it. There is a commanded blessing. I want to encourage you, if you are the leader of your home, if you are married, you want your home to have blessing, be unified in your marriage. It will just, it will trickle down to your children. Listen, in in our church, I know that our church is unified because we're a unified staff. We're a unified dream team. We are of one heart. We're of one soul. We're one spirit. All we do is we want to make much of Jesus. We want to lift up his name. We're obsessed with him. He's the big idea. Come on, somebody put your hands together tonight. If you believe here at Zoe, we are not in discord. We are not in offense. We are not in unforgiveness. We are, God always works through unity. So the first thing it says is that these guys have great grace and great power. Power and great is because they're, they're one heart, one soul, one spirit. Then the next thing it says is that they're sharing everything they have. Every, they're, they're selling their property and they're sharing and they're giving and they're like, man, what you got at the house? That one guy's like, yo, I got corn. And the other guy's like, yo, I got carne asada. And they're coming together like, yo, let's come together, make some taco burrito It's hanging at you. And they're just they're hanging out and they're having fun. And they're just sharing all things. Right down number two, great grace comes through generosity. I'm telling you, God always brings grace on generous people. When you, li- you are most like God when you give. You are most like God when you are giving, when you live in a lifestyle of being generous. Because, listen, you are created by a God that gives. He gives life. He gives forgiveness. He gives provision. He gives joy. He gives strength. He gives second chances. The Bible says, oh, John 3, 16. I love it. It's the most famous scripture in all the Bible. It says, for God so loved the world that he... In other words, the way that you... Um, The way that you prove that you love somebody is you give. Generosity is, it's an expression of of a relationship. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, you're like, Jesus, you you gave me everything. How can I I begin to repay you? You I believe a lot of us, when we think of the word generous, we think of money right away. But the easiest thing to do in the world is to give money. Money is like, but... A generous person, write down three T's. A generous person gives their time, their treasure, and their talent. When you become a generous person from the soul, you actually give your time. You know that you can be generous with your time? Give somebody the time to have a coffee. Give somebody the time to go show up at their game and support. Give somebody some time to just text them back and have some, you know, have a night where you're going out and talking together and encouraging one another. You can give your time. You can give your treasure. And you can give your talent. You can just offer all the talents you have. You just say, God, I'm going to be generous with my talent. My talent is not going to be for me to monetize and leverage this thing. My talent is going to go to the glory of your name. When you live a generous life, God will look at it. He will pour out such great grace that it will take you beyond your wildest dreams. I believe in it. Listen, you cannot outgive God. 
The Bible, Jesus says, the measure you use to give out to others is the measure that will come back to you. In other words, when you start pouring out and you give away generous, you can never separate sowing and reaping. When you sow in generosity, you're going to reap in generosity. I never believe that you can be a, build a great life and build a great church and build a great business by being stingy. It will always be through generosity. Watch here what the Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 11, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. We're going to live by this verse. The world of the generous gets larger and what's the next word? Larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller. I'll tell you the key to a small world. You want to have us for no more, no new friends. Got him. You want to just have a small world? Just this is my money. It's my time, my, my talent, me narcissism, self. Uh, uh, it's all about me. It's all about mine. What can I get? How can I leverage? How can I get more? It's all about, I just obsess over myself. I obsess over my future. It's about me. It's about mine. It's about how. It's about, uh, uh. And, 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 and listen, I always watch when people decide to live a generous life. You just watch God do this. Their world just keeps expanding more relationship, more opportunity. And you look and you go, how in the world did they get there? It's just great grace. I, I, I hope I'm encouraging somebody tonight because I'm really believing that if you just make the decision to be unified with your relationships, unified in your business, unified in your lifestyle, and you make the decision to be a generous person, you will live a life. There is power and there is great grace over these decisions. So they're one heart, one soul. They're giving everything. Come on, what do you need, man? I got corn, carne asada. What do you need? I got all kinds of, uh, uh, all kinds of you know, drinks, high seed. Come over to the house. We're good. We're sharing. High seed. That's a throwback Thursday right there. <laughs> I wanted to say horchata, but I couldn't get it out in time because, you know, I wanted to do mad Mexican horchata. So like that guy that's like just talking regular. And then all of a sudden I had an enchilada. So... So, so, so stupid, right? I do not do drugs at church. So, so dumb. Podcast is done. Anyway, so great grace comes to unity, comes to generosity. And then did you notice the next part? It says they were just declaring so, with so much boldness about who Jesus is. I mean, like, one of the things I love so much about the early church, and the reason why I think it goes from 3,000 to 5,000, building their shaking, this whole thing's going on, wildfire, revival's breaking out, is because they're just not afraid to talk about them. Write down point number three tonight, this always happens. An encounter with grace will lead you to talking boldly about grace. I never talk about stuff that I've never experienced. I have no authority to speak on things I have yet to experience. But once I've experienced something, if I love it, I'm going to tell everybody about it. I'll never forget when I was, oh, I was in high school, I used to go to this, to this Navy base. I used to go play basketball. I grew up uh, next to one of the largest Navy base, uh, just whole compounds in, in, in all of the military. And so we would go onto the gym to play basketball with all the Navy guys. And so when I was in high school this one time, we used to park our cars and we would take this shuttle. We'd all get on this big 15-passenger van shuttle and we would ride down this big hill and we would go on base to play basketball. Well, all my friends growing up in high school, they were all basketball 
players, but they were all military kids, like every single one of them. So we would get on the van. Everybody would show their military ID. The guy, the driver was just like, you're good, you're good, you're good. But I knew every time, this happened all through middle school, all through high school, I would get on, I would either have an ID or I'd have a driver's license. I showed the guy and I knew he'd start to just ask me questions. Who are you? Where are you from? What do your parents do? And we, I would always be the guy that would have to stop us, stop the van, have to get out at the checkpoint, fill out paperwork, get approved to come on to the military base. I just remember this one time. This is in high school. And we get on the, on the van. I know what's coming. We get on. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not serving God at this time at all. Like, I'm not about Jesus. I'm not about church. I'm just, I'm, I'm like a punk, rebellious pastor's kid at this time. Like, I'm just obsessed with Tupac, Biggie, Outcast. That's my whole life. So that's just it. That's all I want to do. Okay, that's all I want to do. So, so I get on, I get on this van, and I know it's coming, and I'm just like, I'm mad that my dad's a pastor. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm mad the whole thing. I'm just, I'm not with God. And the guy, the question's coming, and the guy's like, okay, so what does your dad do? And I remember just being so mad about it. So I, I just looked at the driver and I was like, I just said some lie. I can't even remember what I said. I just like lied. And the whole van, all my buddies just turned around like. I was just like, thanks a lot, guys. Like, now he knows I lied. But I just, I remember that feeling. You know, a few months later, about maybe six months later, I was, I was in the kingdom for this event called Promise Keepers. I'm 16 years old. I'm on the 300 level. We're singing this hymn with 60,000 men. And I can't. I can't tell you what we were singing. All that I know is I had an encounter with Jesus like I never had before. And I've got my hands raised and tears are flowing down my face. And I have never felt such love. I have never felt such forgiveness. I have never felt such grace. Oh, I'm telling you, I wish that I would have had that encounter and that opportunity six months later. Because I would have sat in that van. And when he asked me what my dad did, I would have said, my dad's a preacher. And you need to come to church. It's at 9 and 11, Living Word Fellowship. Come on in my preacher to anybody tonight that has an encounter with the living God that wants to testify and tell somebody, I know what it means to be loved. I've felt the grace of God. Come on, y'all give God a shout of praise tonight if you believe you've had an encounter with Jesus. When you've had an encounter, you want to tell somebody. Oh, there's this place down the street called the Big Chill. It's a new Froyo spot. And I got this friend that was telling us about this Froyo spot, Big Chill. I'm like, forget Froyo. I want salt and straw, people. I don't want no Froyo. But he keeps telling us about it and all this stuff. Julia went and got it the other day. I sat there at the house. I ate the, the Big Chill. I can't help but telling everybody, have you been to the Big Chill? You need to go to the Big Chill. Have you tried the Big Chill? We need to go to the Big Chill tonight. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? You've had an encounter. You've had an experience. And when you experience grace, you've got to talk about grace. Let the redeemed of the Lord, come on, say so. <laughs> Happens every time. These guys are talking boldly about Jesus everywhere they go. Have you heard about him? He died on the cross. Have you heard about him? He rose from the grave. Have you heard about him? He's full of compassion. Have you heard about him? He's a living God. Have you heard about him? He went back to heaven. Have you heard about him? They're just talking about, I pray at our church. We, we, listen, we are not the smartest. We are not the coolest. But one thing we are is we are passionate about Jesus. We're not afraid to say something to a co-worker. Not afraid to say something to somebody at a restaurant. We're not afraid to get on social media and tell somebody I was broken, I was addicted, I was suicidal, I was lost, I was in my worst space, and grace found me when I needed him most. When you have had an encounter with grace, you will want to talk about grace. 
Until that happens, everybody's kind of over here in religion mode, stuck in vans, not being able to answer questions because it's like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I go to church. We were with some friends last night, and I don't know how this came up, but we're talking about this person goes to church, and one of the people at the table goes, I used to go to church. As if to say, I used to go, but I hadn't had an encounter, and my life has been changed, not because of a service, but because of what Jesus did in my world. I just hope that we don't go from Sunday to Sunday, connect group to connect group, experiencing nothing. I want to experience him. As much as I want to encounter him, I believe he wants to encounter me. That woman at the well had an encounter. That woman caught in adultery had an encounter. Time and time again, he doesn't show up and be loud and boisterous and sweat through his T-shirt because it's just so weird, right? <laughs> but he shows up, and he's full of love and, and compassion, and you could tell he's real. You could tell, I've, I've tasted other things, I've been to other places, but this feels different. Grace feels a certain way, doesn't it? One heart, one soul, one spirit, given of everything, generous. And I think that they were just, you can write down the last point because I think this is what they were just living their whole life as. More grace just equals more Jesus. And please hear me tonight because I, I get really afraid of preaching these kind of messages like, we're going to another level of grace, guys. Come on, let's get serious. Stop playing around. We're a serious church. Knock it off. My name's Tim. I love Jesus. Bible study this week, my house. See you there. What a voice, right? So dumb. It's like, oh, yeah, another level. Let's go. More Bible reading. Oh. More, just let me just say this, please. More grace is just more Jesus. Jesus is grace. Grace is Jesus. We're talking about new levels of grace. We're just saying, I want more Jesus in my life. I want to talk about him more. I want to read about him more. I want to worship him more. Just, I want more. The way we get greater grace is we just, we get more in love with him. These guys are just obsessed, aren't they? They're waiting in the hotel room. Like, I don't know what we're waiting for, but we love him. And it comes and they're just like, oh, this is a new life. And we want other people to know it. So 3,000 people get saved, not because they're trained or educated, but because they can tell these guys really love this man. Come on, I believe it with all my heart. God will use you, not because you're so smart, not because you have all the answers, but people can sense that man loves Jesus. That girl right there loves Jesus. Worship team, you can come join. But I just, I came to encourage somebody tonight not to tell you, come on, I sense you're at level two. Let's get up to level five by next Sunday. It's not what it's about. It's about just saying, God, I want great grace, that power that these guys were operating in, that great grace. I need it in my life for my, for my future. I need it in my life for my marriage. I need it in my life for the things you're doing. Some of you are facing the most trying, most difficult times of your life. How can we endure this hardship? How can we go through this time? The only way we can do it is with Jesus. His grace will sustain you. But I believe that God's grace doesn't just allow us to limp along, but it gives us power and it gives us great. Yesterday I was with, with my son, my one-year-old Mavi, 
And my one-year-old Mavi, we got up early in the morning and we came downstairs and my one-year-old, he doesn't talk, he doesn't have, you know, the biggest vocabulary, but this man knows what he wants. And so I'm there at the, at the, in the kitchen, I'm there, you know, with my laptop out and, and my son goes to the fridge and he starts beating on that thing. And he can't tell me what he wants, but I could tell he wants something in that fridge. And so we open the fridge and he, and he comes out, he's got some, some blueberries, he wants the blueberries. So we open that thing and he just starts crushing the blueberries. And I'm, but finally he's eating so many blueberries, I'm like, this is not going to be a good diaper. We need to make a change. Let's shut the lid. Let's put this back. But I can tell he goes back to that fridge. He's be, he wants more blueberries. He, I mean, you could just tell he's like f- throwing a fit because he wants more of this stuff. Yesterday in the, in the evening, we're leaving. We're going to go, you know, to dinner, Julie and I, and we forgot to tell our three-year-old that we were leaving. We, we, we didn't give him a heads up. We're just like, okay, we're leaving. And he just, he melts down. He breaks down. Well, about an hour earlier, he had gotten a haircut. And during the haircut, the way we kept him still was we gave him a sucker. And so he had this sucker and he crushes the haircut and, and we're getting ready to leave and now he's just melting down and he's crying like he's, it's the end of the world. And I look at my son and say, okay, well, if we give you a sucker, are you going to be okay? I'm telling you, he went from crying to like, yep, I'm good. I was like, that's it? Like, you're an actor. <laughs> just wanted more. Both of them, just more suckers. More. So many of us is like, I need more, more. I need more money. I need more people. I need more, more recognition. I need more opportunity. No, you don't. You need more Jesus. Because when you got more Jesus, you got everything you need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Come on, somebody put your hands together tonight. If you believe it, if you're grateful, if you believe great grace is on your life and great grace is on your family and great grace is on this church, come on, put your hands together tonight and let's thank God for who he is. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.